0: Love,
1: talk, radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Donald Mazzella, and I am Editorial Director of Information Strategies, Inc.,
0: uh, the parent
1: of Small Business Digest, uh, a group of other small business newsletters, HR newsletters, and now Small Business Digest, the magazine. Each hour here at Small Business Radio, we hope to bring you information, strategies, and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. We have an exciting program this week, and without further ado, let's get to our first guest. Peter Van Sant is, first of all, a serial entrepreneur a very successful businessman, and has successfully launched small businesses and, more importantly, uh, made them a success and sold them. His current efforts help small and small medium-sized enterprises search for, uh, identify, vet, and onboard the best talent.
2: Good morning. Good morning, Don. How are you?
1: I'm fine. We had a little dead space there, but uh, uh, that's the last of it we will have.
2: That's my bad. Sorry about that. I'm glad you uh, uh, are let me on your show. I've got some interesting trends and developments uh, that I'd like to share with you and your listeners about uh, hiring and onboarding.
1: Fire away, Greeley. <laughs>
2: well, uh, the, it's interesting to know that uh, nowadays, Recruit, recruiting is a lot like marketing. Well, in marketing, what what you do is you determine who my customer is, what what, they, what their world view is, et cetera. The second thing is where do they hang out? And the third is what will it take for me to sell to them? Now, you look at recruitment, and it's who am I looking to, to attract? What type of a worker am, am, I, am I looking for? What are the skill sets? What are their behaviors and beliefs? How will they fit into my culture? The second thing is, where do I find them? Where do they hang out? Nowadays, the term is, where are their eyeballs? Because, quite frankly, they're on the Internet. Third thing is, why would they want to work for me? I have got to create a value proposition in my job description to get them interested in working for me. I can put out a minimum uh, requirements for a qualified worker and i'm apt to get minimally qualified people nowadays the trends more towards benchmarking a job in other words what do i want a superstar to to do and what can i what can they expect from me for for performance that should go into a job description you should sell that job not just say hey i'm out there if you want to come in i'll take a look at you sell that job because the ideal candidate Wants to work for you and finds you, so uh, that's that's why the uh, act of hiring is becoming scientific. Scientific meaning, it's using tools like uh, software. It's using the internet, which is a scientific tool. It's using uh, scientific methods to, as I said before, benchmark jobs uh, to uh, attract the right people.
1: Because, go ahead. Well. Uh, uh let us back up for one, one minute uh many small and medium sized businesses right now uh whenever they uh, put out a, a job request get hundreds of uh resumes i i I think the number was the average one hundred and thirty is a figure i saw what you're saying if i heard you right is uh uh not only do you uh, uh need to put out a uh a request or an ad but you really have to develop a whole campaign to find the best qualified candidate that will fit into your system. Correct,
2: correct. And then you have to figure out, out of that 130, where are they? Where are they in that pile? So that's why one of the tools that's been developed, and there's quite a few players in that space, are hiring tools that actually post jobs to, to uh job boards and social networks, and as the applications come in, they match them up against the uh, qualifications and requirements that using algorithms that uh, were requested of the the applicants, and they rank them and the good ones come to the top and then it it makes takes that one hundred and thirty and makes it into a manageable uh, group that you can discount you know right away, probably hundred of them <laughs> so you have 30 that are probably interested and weren't just responding to every ad on craigslist or indeed or simply hired and now you can go to get to the the now you can apply the science of how do you pick the right person
3: so well,
2: go ahead you,
1: no we're we're stepping on each other because uh, we've worked so, so long together what about uh, but um uh, many companies today are uh either Retrenching twenty-three uh, percent—the last figure I saw—or uh, not uh, only replacing uh, people as they leave. Mm-hmm. But the real question uh, m- many uh, uh, small, smaller businesses have is finding the right impact player, uh, to use a draft term. Uh, uh, what is it that, that a small business or a medium-sized business Needs to do to make to make sure they're uh, they're getting the best qualified candidates.
2: Well, as I said, the the number one spot is to number one thing is to ask for the right thing. In other words, get your job description and your job post to where you're asking the right things. The second thing, there are there's actual scientific uh, ways to pick the right person. For example, if you just interview someone, that's it, you you have a 14% chance of picking the right person. If you, if you do reference checks on that person, you up that uh, percentage to 26%. If you do a personality test on that person to determine if they're going to fit, if they're uh, going to fit your culture or, or your needs, you up it to 38%. And if you add an abilities test where they go on and are determined uh, – are tested on the specific skill sets, increase it to 54%. So they're, right there is one way to uh, increase the probability of hiring the right person is to go through some of these, and I don't mean to sound like a scientist, but I'm just saying these tools, and I'm using science as a catch-all. Use these tools to identify, because you know what? There's something called hiring bias. In other words, when you, me, Don, or or, or the average small business person interviews we don't really know how to do it and we're looking at a person for their personality and if we like that person our hiring bias comes in and we may hire them just because they did a good interview well the interview is just their behavior on their best day and that's the tip of the iceberg of what that person really is below that iceberg below the water level are his skills which you need to find out his beliefs, you know? He he's got to fit into your culture. You've got to your coworkers have to work with him. What are his values? Who is he? And what kind of environment has he come from and what kind of environment can he fit into? So that's the answer. The answer is 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 take the time to to uh go through the hiring process in a, in a more systematic way.
1: Well, um uh, I I know your company offers some of these tools. Uh, Tell us how those tools work.
2: Well, well, thanks for the plug. My my company, Ovation Technologies, has a uh, a hiring tool which does some of the things I've told you about. It it allows you, it gives you some professionally designed uh, job description templates to work with. But if they're not in there or you don't like them, you you go on and you become a user uh, at OvationTechnologies.com, and uh, you can develop a job post. Create your own job description or cut and paste from one you already have. Add add skills or criteria that you want. Ask questions uh, that you want to get on the table right away. Simple one, everybody. Do you have reliable transportation? Uh, have you ever worked in this kind of environment before? Those kinds of questions you can ask in the uh, job post. Now we post it to uh, various Job boards like Indeed.com, which has very been very successful, SimplyHired.com, which is also uh, up and comer, uh, uh, JobRapido, which is an international uh, indexing type uh, job board, as uh, as is Indeed and SimplyHired. You can also post it if if your company has a built out its social media presence. You can post it. You can tweet tweet it. You can put it on your Facebook page. You can uh, add it to your LinkedIn profile, whatever. Now, what that does is it puts out a, a link and a, and a quick sell for the job out there on those venues, and a applicant comes along, finds your job, clicks on it, and goes to a more detailed job description and can apply right there. He can either upload his... Uh, his or her resume, and it will parse that resume into the application. In other words, take out the pertinent information like name, address, uh, education, background, put it in the application on an ovation, and then they complete the application by completing those questions I spoke of, and bang, they submit it, it comes into the system and joins the other candidates who have applied from one of those venues and ranks those candidates, now, you as the employer can go on, and I'm kind of repeating what I said was the best way to hire because I think we've, we've defined the best way to hire. You can pick from that, that list of ranked candidates, and if you go from there, go to through your process of interviewing, doing reference checks, things, background screens. We, we, you can do a background screen right from the tool. You can order a background screen and a, uh, a driver verification if you want that. And then when you make a hiring decision, the tool electronically delivers your onboarding documents, which include W-4, I-9, uh, handbooks, anything that you can think of that you can put into a digital format. It will electronically deliver so that the person comes the first day. Now he's ready for the second stage of onboarding, which is integrate them into your company. The,
1: the reason I bring it up is because uh, we have a, another newsletter uh uh, managing your h r and what i 've noticed over the last five years is that large corporations have spent millions of dollars <clears throat> to develop systems like this uh, for their own uh, for their own internal use or purchased it and now what you 're offering small business and the reason I asked you on the program was because uh, this powerful tool which unfor- which i think unfortunately because I like the personal approach is more and more becoming the norm in today's world
2: well it starts you know you have to find the person to uh... to apply the personal touch to and and they're out there and they're looking on the internet so you've got to get on that internet to find them you know the typical uh... classified ad uh, doesn't is too expensive quite frankly although we do allow you to post through craigslist which is for many cases a good venue to post uh, the sign in the window, mm-hmm. what kind of a, a, of a candidate are you going to get? You might get one, but the probability of getting a qualified one is pretty slim, but you will get to see them, uh, and that's very important to some people. But uh, you mentioned something earlier, Don, that I wanted to, to address real quickly about uh, people retrenching and looking at the people they have, et cetera. Well, right now there's three types of employees in an organization. 21 of them, 21 percent of them are engaged. In other words, those are the first people that are go-to people and are and are doing the job at or above expectations. 41 of percent of, of your employees are enrolled. That means they're there. They're there. They're punching in. They're they're uh, doing their job at less than uh, less than expected or barely expected levels. And then 30 percent of them are there, but they're, they're disenchanted, and they're not even there. They're actually a drag on your organization. So it's, you need to look at your organization, identify those people, who's awesome, who's basic, and who could be deleted. And So there's opportunities to upgrade your uh, workforce by spending a little time, sitting, putting, setting a, some time apart to actually address and set benchmarks for your organization.
1: You know that's interesting you mentioned that Pete because I just saw a a study that indicates that the, uh it started the idea which uh, a large corporation started about 3 years ago of the streamlining, upgrading their uh, organizations as they uh, re- reduction in force but it's also permeating down into the small business and medium-sized business uh, environment. Uh, uh we're we're coming close uh what advice would you give uh, a small business owner as he look he or she looks at her organization today in terms of uh uh just that uh, upgrading and finding the right people
2: well i I think uh that the best way to do it is to be honest with yourself as a businessman and and put the business above the personalities because you know when you look at somebody and say i hate to, I hate to fire people. I hate it. It just hurts me, but you know what it's it 's for the good of your business to get rid of dead weight, so you have to say i 'm actually doing, doing the team a favor by uh, improving the quality of the team so I guess my advice is be honest with yourself is there do I need more people can am I, just am I, just not, am I uh, managing correctly so i 'm getting all I can out of my people uh, or do I have people dragging down my organization, and if I do, how can I address it so uh,
1: uh, pete uh tell uh tell the listeners again ovation technologies yes
2: it's ovation is is the uh hiring tool and what it is it's a it's a applicant tracking system with posting uh, abilities that's formerly been available as don said to huge companies i sold a company to a large company and was introduced to ats's applicant tracking systems and i said small businesses need those and it's been uh, in development for several years and uh, it's an awesome tool it's at uh, wwwovationtechnologies.com and please give me a call Call that, uh, the line on that page, and uh, you can click through and talk to me if you'd like. We can help you set it up or take a stab at it yourself, and I know you're going to be satisfied with that product.
1: Thank you, uh, Pete, for joining us today.
2: Thank you very much, Don. It's nice to talk to you. Uh,
1: our next guest uh, is Jim Federico, um, who, like me, still believes in print. Jim, are you on the phone? Jim, are you there?
3: I am there. Good morning, Don.
1: Good morning. First, tell us a little bit about yourself and your company.
3: Um, I'm Jim Federico, Vice President of Sales for Offset Impressions. We are a printing company in Reading, Pennsylvania. I have been um, in the print trade for uh, 38 years and uh, at this current company for 20 years
1: well uh the reason I invited you onto the program today is you you have some very good ideas about how uh small businesses can utilize uh I hate the term snail mail to generate uh additional profits. Can you go into that a little bit
3: uh sure you know um uh, i I think there's some some overload in the world uh, i I know in, in email blasts and uh social media and all the communications we're receiving um, on a daily basis and print uh is 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 uh, still a valuable part of a business's uh, promotion and almost um, lots of studies have shown and uh, i don't want to go into too much detail but uh people look at mail. And we, in the print and mail business, we hate the term junk mail, but I've seen more and more over the last few years uh, of businesses returning to mail uh, as a promotion. And uh, how do I differentiate my mail piece? though so I want to make it uh, feel different, look different, um, more content, perhaps a smaller mail piece, even, even just a, a postcard? But businesses need to touch everyone in multiple ways, and and print is a valuable part of that.
1: Well, um, one study uh, we've done over the, uh, we at Small Business Digest Information Strategies have done over the five years is small business owners still uh, keep printed material and still react to mail that's one of the reasons uh, I invited you on the program but you had some ideas about local printing and utilizing p- some of the US postal services um, uh, uh programs to really uh make it cost effective
3: well there's there's one that the uh, uh quite frankly that um uh, large mail companies hate but I think it's terrific for small businesses and it it's um, it's called Every Door Direct Mail, and if you uh, go online, uh, it's easy to Google or go to USPS and, and find that um, it'll it'll be under Every Door Direct Mail or it might have that acronym. But it is a way for small business to find uh, areas within a certain or or find residents rather within a certain square mile of uh, square miles of your business. So you can, for instance, say, okay, I want to go out, um, I want to mail 5,000 pieces, and you'll go onto this site, and depending on where you live, if you're in New York City, that, that only gets you, you know, a, a, maybe a half a block, but uh, if you're in Aurora area more. But you can um, very quickly see on the map uh, with a nice little circle around your business what that gives you. And let's say you're a pizza shop owner, and um you're opening somewhere in New Jersey, and I, I want to introduce uh, my new people to shop through the neighborhood. You can go online to the Post to, to the Postmaster site, um, find all of these, and with the paperwork that is printed through the site, you can actually take your own mail to the post office, uh, present it to them, and they will be able to to um, drop your mail with with that little um, current resident uh, that we see in the mail
1: that we get. Does it say resident, or does it say the specific person?
3: It will say uh, current resident, because it goes by address only.
1: Uh-huh. But uh, can you also do it for business?
3: You can do it for... Um... That that is a good question. It's liable just to say if it goes to a business, it's liable just to say the same thing. Current resident. So if you're talking, if you're talking B2B, you probably want to go online and purchase a list. Uh, there are so many today. You can find reputable ones, or if you know a printer or a mailhouse, perhaps they can guide you to one. Um, but B2B is uh, is is uh, a little more complicated perhaps but but not as much as you think. You need to do a little more investigation and really know what kind of businesses you're looking for in the B2B world and then um target that message to them.
1: Well, let's talk about the message for a minute. Um uh you, you uh, a print message is always different than the online uh uh message uh what are what are some suggestions you have let's say let's talk about that proverbial pizza maker um what sells uh
3: what sells uh, well we like to use the term uh, uh benefits so what what is going to as a consumer or a business person what is gonna spark some interest um the old um we can save you money we have if you're talking again you said let's use the pizza maker we have uh the most delicious pizza um try something new try it so uh that's that's really a question that um as a business or service owner you have you have to know your market niche
1: yeah.
3: and you have to say this is this is what i'm selling
1: well what i've noticed is uh, uh is pizza hut and um dominos have made pizzas a commodity now the 10 dollars pizza and the 799 pizza uh now um has really become uh, almost the norm uh as in terms of their advertising but let's uh, let's go um, uh, a little further um uh, you know pr- uh, they say on, on the internet that red sells uh and that the uh, uh uh, are there colors and ideas in printing that um, uh, you have or would suggest in terms of color or splash etc i th-
3: i think certainly uh color still sells um nice color photo uh, perhaps a, a different shape of your piece we can we can do or or any any uh, printer can do what we call a die cut perhaps it's cut in a different shape um, in, an, in an envelope that you can see through, perhaps perhaps the envelope itself has a, you know, has a, a nice wordy uh, enticing message. Perhaps it feels a little different. There are coatings you can put on paper that have sort of a velvet feel. It, it is tough uh, to distinguish a piece out of a pile of mail, but every as you're going through a pile of mail, you're you're going to take a quick look at every one. So so color. Imagery, um, creative graphics, anything that will make your piece stand out. Uh,
1: What I noticed uh, this week in my mailbox were two pieces which were printed on transparent. uh, They were transparent. They were uh, uh, a postcard printed on a clear uh, plastic and then the words on top of that. It sure stopped me the first two times I saw it. Uh, Are you familiar with that? Have you seen anything like that?
3: Yes, yes. Um, our company does a lot of that, and um, it it um, it does catch your eye. And and any different substrate. When I say substrate, paper, plastic, um, um, synthetics, anything different that um, you print on it and put in the mail stream is again going to it caught your eye. So uh, so certainly it will make you uh, even a couple extra seconds uh, to look at that piece. is helpful
1: well someone once told me that uh, the average direct mail piece had a 7 second life and that the average email had a, had a 5 second life uh, uh that, that, and quite frankly i uh, i hold a ticket in the printers union so i've always preferred print uh, uh wh- why do you think um uh print is still uh still has a 2 second advantage
3: well, there's just there's something to that tactile nature of, of of print. You you touch it, you feel it, you turn it over, um, you, you you put it on the corner of your desk. Uh, you put it li- like me. I you know I might have a pile that I, I perhaps get back to, or I'll, I'll throw on a shelf, and at, at some point I may may refer to it. And when you look at a, an email blast, you may or may not drag it to a folder, and then then it's in there somewhere. Um uh, but it I think it's just the the, the nature of our, our senses and our and our and our and our sensory perception. It's it's again I keep going back to the tactile nature of it, the touch and feel.
1: Um again your company?
3: Offset impressions. And
1: impressions how could opinions. how can they reach you?
3: They can reach me um one eight hundred five two eight zero five eight five and just ask for Jim Federico and I'll be happy to help you uh uh in any way I can. Uh,
1: uh Jim wrote a very interesting article which is on Small Business Digest. That's the 2 sbdigestcom Put in the word Federico and you come up with an article that um, really expands on this and it's the reason I brought him on the program. Uh we'll be back we'll be back in a moment with uh, Greg Walsh. Uh, from Bookkeeping Express, but we want to thank Jim for coming on today.
0: Many small businesses purchase supplies, equipment, other needs through local stores. To save money on many of these purchases, consider Deem.com. This purchasing site offers real bargains and large discounts on many key items needed to run your business, and it's free to join and use. That's D-E-E-M dot com. Again, D-E-E-M dot com for all your small business needs.
1: We're back live here, and Greg Walsh is the CEO of Bookkeeping Express, whose members help small businesses uh, effectively monitor their efforts both as accountants and advisors. What brings him to the show today are his, what I thought were clever ideas on what small businesses should be doing to improve their profit picture in the rest of 2013. Greg, are you with us?
4: Hi, Don. How are you?
1: I'm fine, and thank you for joining us today.
4: My pleasure. Uh,
1: Greg, um, I uh, I asked uh, experts like you to to, uh, uh, help our uh, small businesses figure out what what to do in in this uh, perilous times? I I think, still think they're perilous. Uh, what are your some some of your ideas?
4: Well, first of all, there's so many issues that a business owner has to attack and approach and answer to each and every day. So there's a lot going on in their world, and uh, our suggestions always start with you got to get organized, right? To to benefit at, at the end of the year or going into a new tax season. And if you're not if you're not organized, then you're you're really you're you're getting behind each and every day. Uh, and as time progresses, you get obviously behind with regard to financial information and reporting. So that's the first step in any of, the, of our processes that we do. Well, uh, how do you
1: how do, uh, are you? You audit many uh, small businesses. What are you seeing are some of the things uh, happening today that's affecting what they're doing?
4: Well, first of all, there's a very high percentage, over 70% of the, the, the businesses that we focus on, and we, we focus on the $6 million in annual revenue uh, uh, organization or less. So that's that mid to very small organization throughout the U.S., which is the largest business segment in the in the United States. So there's a lot of those organizations out there, and a very high percentage, 70% plus, that are trying to do the financial accounting, bookkeeping themselves internally. Now, Don, you know as well as I do, if I'm a, a doctor, or attorney, a software developer, or construction owner, you know, I got into that business because I have a passion for that service offering or product offering, and, and typically I'm not a very good accountant or bookkeeper, uh, and, and nor do I want to be, frankly. So what tends to happen is that they ignore the, the, the accounting, bookkeeping side of it and get further and further behind. So there's many many issues with that process. So we find that throughout a lot of the small businesses, which again we encourage that the business owners find an outsourced partner to really take this off their plate. Because if you're not really good at something, you don't want to put the time or energy into it, nor do you have a passion to do that. Find an organization or an individual that does. So they can actually consult you, provide the service, bring you the data and information that your business is is producing from a financial standpoint, because that that obviously helps you build your business because you can better understand it. So those, those are just a few of the items.
1: Well, um, many small businesses depend on Intuit and other, who, who has been on the program, uh, other of uh, these packages. Uh, I myself uh, have had the same, uh, in our business, we've had the same accountant for uh, well over 30 years. And uh, what he does for me is uh, uh, t- tell me. What what I should be doing in terms of uh, in, investing in, in the equipment, how much money I have. Uh, I view the, my my accountant as a partner. Uh, do you see that happening today?
4: Oh, absolutely! In fact, it, it's outsourcing today in the small business community is becoming more and more prevalent, which is I think a smart thing for business owners to look at and understand because you can't do it all. You only have so much experience and so many. Uh, items to run that business. Uh, So I I think finding that partner, and again, most CPAs, you know, CPAs are really tax audit and consultative guys and gals with running their firms. They really don't want to do the day-to-day bookkeeping, accounting that the small business has to to live off of. So you really have to hone in. And and the problem, Don, with, you know, small, small businesses, the one- or two-person shop, can get away with trying to do it themselves. But if you're a growing firm and an organization and you're putting a lot of time and energy into running your business, uh, you really don't time, have time, even if you have the software, tools, and applications, to keep up with it. And that's, that's the trap. That's where a lot of business owners say, hey, I can do this or I'll try to do it on the weekend or I'll catch up with it next month and they get further and further behind. Because, again, I don't care how many software tools and applications you have, you still have to do the work utilizing those tools and applications. So, it, you know, companies like ours, Bookkeeping Express, we take that off the, the business owner's plate. We can provide the outsourced accounting, the bookkeeping. we can pay your bills, we can set you up and provide you the payroll. So there's several items and, uh, and issues that you have to address as a business owner that we can do for you and then supply you with the information and data to uh, run your business more effectively.
1: Um, an issue that's coming up, in fact, I just wrote an editorial about it, is uh, uh, classifying uh, not properly classifying employees. Can you go into that a little bit?
4: Well, the, the the healthcare issue in employees is a major. I'm not sure that, if that's where you were going on, but, that, but I, I, we've we've been addressing that in, in several, whether sitting down in seminars or sitting in front of a group that uh, is interested in more information. But the the whole employee thing is is really a major major issue with the healthcare, and and I'm sure you realize and a lot of your audience that you know there's that line in the sand of 50 employees. Uh, that uh, above that line, you know, you, you're going to have different scenarios as far as tax go, and, and healthcare coverage. Underneath that, so there's this this game of should I hire, should I outsource, should I 1099 contract work, you know. So that's and again, we we really address that up from an individual's standpoint and work with business owners one on one on that. There's you really have to look at what your business is doing, what you want to accomplish. You know, it, there's no general overall answer for everybody. Uh, but if you're not involved with it, again, uh, having an outsourced partner that understands this, that can pro- provide you with the information and data behind all these issues is the way to go versus trying to figure it out yourself or not having time to even look at it and address the issues. Well, so, yeah.
1: Go ahead. Go ahead. No. No, go ahead, Don. Um uh, the interesting thing that uh what uh on on the one hand that but on the other hand uh the department of labor is now starting to uh look heavily at uh w- what is a uh, uh contract employee and who who is a uh, full-time employee uh and the uh what we're seeing is a uh, uh, they're coming in and saying, well, "Oops, that that person should not have been ten, uh, uh, should not have been a contract, but is a full-time employee." And uh, it's a re- it's a real issue that uh, we're seeing more and more of.
4: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and they put parameters around. I mean, how many hours are they spending uh, doing the job? Right? Where are they doing their job? Is it in the office, outside the office? Is it in uh, another facility? I mean, all these things come into play. When when you start looking at labeling, is this a a contract person or an employee? Right.
1: Yeah, right. Um, w When you approach uh, uh, when you ap- uh, approach, or someone approaches uh, you or one of your, uh, are, is it a franchise or is it? Uh, I wasn't clear. Is it a franchise, Business Express, or is it? Book- are the- yes. Book,
4: yeah, Bookkeeping Express has uh, a franchise system. Right. That is, we have over 60 plus territories throughout the United States alone. Three territories in Canada. We're going to be moving north of the border here at the end of the year proactively. But we also have a direct sales channel uh, that that runs parallel to the franchisees. We don't. They're not in conflict. But franchisees, if if, if a franchisees in your community, they would work with you one on one. So there's a human touch there, right? A, uh, an individual that will partner with you and consult with you and, and bring all this information and data that we've been speaking to. But also, if there's not franchisees with direct sales staff that will be able to handle any of the issues or items or service you, it doesn't matter where you are, because frankly, we really believe in a virtual environment. Uh, we're not coming in and sitting in your offices four or five days a week. We, we feel that the technology tools and programs and applications that are available today we can more efficiently provide you services. Doesn't matter where you're located, uh, more effectively, and bring you data quicker, so you can obviously run your business more effectively. Oh,
1: okay. If people wanted, to, uh, if people in the audience wanted to reach you or, or or your company, how do they do it?
4: Well, our website is probably the best place to go to. It's Bookkeeping Express. Dot .com uh, i don't, I'm not sure we have to say www anymore right uh, so uh you can go to that site again bookkeepingexpress.com uh you can email me at any time at g jones at com, and uh we can facilitate any questions or or inquiries or uh again we can uh, we hope to hear from anybody that's in need or or uh, obviously Uh, is looking for some answers to help run their business more effectively.
1: Thank you for joining us today.
4: Okay, thank you, Don.
1: And I hope you come back again.
4: Appreciate your time.
1: Right. Our last guest today is Mike Kitchenstein, and he's owed an apology from me for inadvertently leaving him off the program last week. Thankfully, he agreed to come back and share with us his experiences identifying a need finding the technology to make it possible for his firm, Ramp, to offer customized skis to its customers. Mike, welcome to the show.
5: Good morning. Thank you. I guess, well, it's good afternoon where you are. I'm in Montana (laughs) today. It's morning here.
1: Well, um, Mike, first tell us um, about, uh, about you and then about Ramp.
5: Well, I've been in the ski industry for better than 35 years. I graduated from college and started working in the Rossignol Ski Factory uh, about a day later in uh, 1977 at uh, Rossignol Skis, and I worked for them for 32 years. And I did everything from uh, factory worker to tech rep in the East and the West, the uh, sales rep, sales manager, and then VP sales and marketing. And uh, so I was working there, like I said, about 32 years. And for the last uh, three and a half years, I've been working on this new project, Ramp Skis and Snowboards. And uh, we're off to the races with a new factory in Park City, Utah.
1: Okay. Now tell us about Ramp. The reason I invited you on the program is you, you saw a need and then you found or created the technology. Tell us about that.
5: Well, I thought that um, after all the years of doing business in what I would call the traditional way through the traditional network of, you know, sales reps and, you know, maybe 600 storefronts, you know, doing it through the normal retail channel, I felt that in the market that the consumer is uh, changing and that they're much more interested in working with companies. doesn't matter if it's skis, it's many consumer products. I think they really want to have a more direct relationship with the uh, you know the people that are making the products and supplying the products and have more access to the companies so that it feels like they're more a part of it so we created this new business model and initially you know we did the engineering and the design work um, in Utah but we were having the product made in Asia and we applied this new business model which worked very well Um, people were very excited to be able to access us directly um, I felt like we could give them better value that way, and also, uh, you know, have that kind of relationship they want. But we also uh, knew that we wanted to introduce a lot of new technology that we were developing. So we then built our own factory and moved the production here uh, to Park City.
1: But but you have technology that, if I if I remember correctly, where you turn out a ski uh, almost. Um, Uh, a customized ski for the customer. Am I uh, wrong on that? Uh,
5: No, the product, well, we offer the product two ways. One is as a custom product where we can actually, you know, take into account, you know, what the customer is looking for. But the big thing about what we're doing is the creative ability we have from an invention that we developed that allows us to change the shape and the side cut of a ski or a snowboard without having to make a new mold. And this is a major breakthrough, because in the past, you know, you'd have to try to predict, okay, for the next four or five years, this is the shape and the type of side cut and turn radius that someone's looking for in, say, a 90-millimeter all-mountain ski that people in the East would just love. So we would typically have had to develop that mold then, and these molds are at least $25,000 each with the camber plate and the mold and then you make the prototype skis and hopefully you did a good job with your prediction. But the problem is is that most of the major changes in ski and snowboard technology now are coming from changes in shape. So quickly those molds become outdated and then you've spent all this money on tooling and you're kind of stuck with it. And with this invention that we have at RAMP in our factory, we can change the side cut and the shape anytime we want And a matter of fact, like last week, we were testing new prototypes at Snowbird, and it was really interesting because we're able to not only test, you know, various flexes and different versions of that, but we could even test different shapes and side cuts, which we've never been able to do before. So it's a a very exciting technology that's allowing us to be a lot more creative and much more in front of the trends.
1: Well, see, that's that's why I asked you on the uh, on the program, because the real uh, a real winner uh, in, in a small business is someone who develops uh, a product or a value added proposition, and then is is able to really build on it. And in your case, you started with skis, and if I'm uh, not mistaken. You're you're going to move on to snowboards.
5: Uh, correct. We molded our well, we already were selling snowboards, but again, they were made the old way in Asia. And in the last three weeks we built our first ramp snowboards in Park City. We brought one of our athletes, Lindsay Jacob Ellis, who's an Olympic and X Game gold medalist, and had her mold the first one, which was exciting. And um so we've been testing them the last few weeks and it's uh, very exciting because you know it's not only a new shape type thing that we've developed but we also have a new manufacturing process where we use a vacuum molding process like they use in aerospace versus the traditional presses that the industry's used forever so we're introducing um with this new technology it gives us so much flexibility the snowboard manufacturing here and we also started making longboard skateboards the last couple of weeks which are Probably, it's funny, we put some on our website two Fridays ago and it was the most likes we've ever had from a new product that we brought forward. Uh, We had 130 likes that day. So, you know, people I think are really excited about our company because of the technology, but also because we moved the production from Asia to here. And we have a really um, strong green story, which, you know, makes people want to support us, I think, even more.
1: Well, um... Let's talk a little bit about uh, financing, if I may. Uh, how how have how did you go about finding the financing to do the technology? Uh, when I interview people, they they always say yes, it's it's uh, good good to do that. But how do you find the financing to do it?
5: Well, uh, you bring up a really good point. <laughs> Because when we started this thing in the neighborhood of four years ago, it was probably as difficult as it was since 1929 to find financing. So I guess the answer is, you know, we used a a good uh, legal firm that put together a really, I think, you know, solid offering. But then um, after that, it was just a ridiculous amount of hard work. Because uh, I must have presented our plan and our company to—I don't know—I might have hit a thousand people, even that I presented to groups and people. And uh, so, I guess the answer is it was just a massive amount of hard work.
1: Well, every small business, successful small business, is a result of hard work and sometimes a modicum of uh, luck. But uh, let's uh, let's talk about. What do you think are the key factors in selling a, uh, a, a selling a financing uh, proposal? Uh, in your well, opinion, well, I think
5: I, I think you have to be able to um, create a sense of credibility. Um, you know what I learned when I spoke to either individuals or groups, like you know whether it would be like Park City Angels or venture capital companies or banks, is um, You know, they're looking for credibility in um, the people that are there, probably number one, and then they're looking for credibility in the appearance of the plan, you know, does this thing make sense? And they're really always trying to shoot holes in the plan because, um, you know, I guess that's the way you evaluate a plan. And one thing I learned is we were at a bit of a disadvantage because the amount of financing we were looking for was relatively small in the world of starting a new company. So I had a lot of people that told me, you know, if you were trying to raise three hundred million instead of three million, we'd be more interested. It takes <laughs> just as much work to evaluate that plan as it does your three million dollar plan. And um, you Keep know, so we went through that too. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but I
5: think that um, you know, at the end of the day, the sophisticated investors are—they're looking for a sense of credibility in the people and the plan, and so you have to create that. So you know, we tied together you know, myself, who has good credibility in the ski industry, and um, also, you know, gold medal athletes in support of the product. And, you know, as we evolved, we added an art director that created, I think, some of the best graphics I've seen in the industry, so that gave us additional credibility. And then, you know, once you're starting to sell and operate, then you have to start proving all your premises and all the things you said you could do.
1: Uh, uh, let, let's go sideways for a minute and ju- um, you, you mentioned that you, you, uh, uh, you have a green component uh, did I hear you right?
5: Uh, yes you did and I think it's one of the things that's made our brand really attractive I mean Ramp stands for Riders, Artists, Musicians Project and my partner's from the music industry and he has a lot of friends that are musicians and you know, big world-class bands. And um, many of them have put their names and pictures on our website in support of our company because they feel like we're an action sports company that's founded on the premise of, you know, doing the right thing. And uh, one of our first big investors, and he's on our board of directors, is Gary Hirschberg that started Stonyfield Farm Organic Food Company. And he really built his whole brand around the premise of if you do the right thing, no matter what you do, if you do the right thing, people are going to be more attracted to your brand versus others. And, uh, we've really built our company around that premise. So, you know, if you look at, in the beginning, even before we were manufacturing, we were doing things like shipping people their skis and snowboards in a padded ski bag or a padded snowboard bag instead of a box. And that way they get something useful and we eliminate thousands of boxes. And then, um, with every ski and snowboard we sell, we buy 300 pounds of carbon offset from uh, a company called Native Energy. So we've always <clears throat> tried to do the right thing as a brand, and oh. I think it's uh, made us very attractive. Well,
1: uh, where did you get the name Ramp?
5: Actually, one of our athletes came up with it, Ross Powers, who's uh, another Olympic and X Games gold medalist and uh he was good friends with one of the guys in the Dave Matthews band and they were kind of brainstorming about this brand and they came up with the idea because there's a lot of respect between the, you know, there's a lot of musicians that love skiing and snowboarding and they have huge respect for the athletes at that level. And and the athletes that are, you know, skiing and riding at that level think the musicians are really cool. So it just seemed like a really interesting collaboration. Uh,
1: uh and i'm going to uh, i'm i'm sorry because i don't know it but
5: what does ramp
1: mean i'm sorry
5: oh it's uh, sorry i mentioned it it's uh writers artists musicians project
1: ah okay so it's
5: an uh an acronym and that uh the initials tie these different uh groups together so we have an artist that supports us luke wilson who's an actor for instance, on that side of things, and a number of musicians and athletes and, uh, you know, it's not a formal collaboration between these people. They just all have respect for our brand, I think, and they've been willing to put their name on our website in support of what we're doing because, you know, there's a lot of action sports companies and ski and snowboard companies and um, a lot of good ones, but I think they like the fact that we're not only doing things really... Um, you know, from a product standpoint at a really high level. But we're also, um, you know, doing things what they would consider the right way.
1: Um, uh, We're getting to the end. Uh, uh, Let me ask you, what were the three things you'd tell a small business uh, person either starting or trying to grow his business are keys to success?
5: Um. Well, I would have to say perseverance and uh, never giving up and sticking with it. I mean, that's a big one because when you're a new company, there's always surprises and things you hadn't expected and difficulties. And, um, you know, so you have to be able and willing to overcome those no matter what. Say the second thing is to be uh, really open-minded. You know, like we thought we had a lot of things figured out at the beginning and we've had to change the way we view things already a number of times, even in our small, short history. You know, you have to be willing to constantly look at your plans and um, be open-minded to the point where, hey, I might have been wrong in the beginning, we really should have done it this way. And uh, the third thing is to have huge respect for and, um, and good treatment of all your people. You know, you, you can't do anything unless you have good people, and you'll only have good people to treat them really great and uh, let them... Really participate in what's going on. Like I, I feel like I give my people a lot of leeway. I really let them uh, use their creative capabilities. I sort of oversee the whole project, but I really rely on them and really give them a lot of room. So I would say those would be uh, my three things.
1: Uh, they would be mine too. Uh, uh, again, how can people, uh, Mike? How can people uh, reach you or your company?
5: Uh, the company is Ramp Sports with an S on the end .com, and my email is mike .k the letter K at dot .com. And uh, yeah, it's a very exciting time at our company right now with all the new development of product and prototyping and the new factory. And we just found out we won some magazine awards on the new skis for the gear guides. I can't say who they're from or what yet. That doesn't come out till August, but our products are getting recognized at that level. So very exciting time for us right now.
1: Thank you. Thank you for taking the time and coming back on uh with us. I look I look yeah. forward. I wish I skied now.
5: <laughs> well you could always come take a tour of our factory. We have people doing that all the time. It's starting to become kind of a destination for where people want to have meetings like the Park City Chamber or the rotary club it's uh it's an interesting thing to see for sure
1: well uh be careful you may find some people uh, from the audience coming by to learn uh learn how to be successful it sounds as if you're well on the road thank well, you
5: well we thank you very much for having me and uh I really appreciate it
1: no we appreciate you it's been a very illuminating uh uh time thank you Bye bye. Now a brief word before our final word.
0: Want to know more about health savings accounts for your company or yourself? Go to 2hsa.com and get a free employer's primer. Health savings accounts are a cost-effective way of offering health care benefits to your employees and yourself. HSAs build retirement funds for your employees, improve morale, and reduce your health care benefit costs. For a free employer guide to HSAs, go to 2hsa.com. That's 2hsa.com.
1: Welcome back. Uh, Each week we try to uh, bring uh, some uh, interesting tidbit or some uh, suggestion to our audience. Today uh, we'd like to uh, put up a warning. Small business leaders face two new regulatory challenges in the coming months. The first and perhaps most threatening is the Affordable Care Act, uh, often called Obamacare. While the most onerous provisions directly affect companies with 50 or more employees, there's still enough in the the new law to raise concerns for those managers under the threshold. The most glaring obstacle is the lack of knowledge about the law's provisions. Three years after the Affordable Care Act was signed into law, a majority of Americans and two-thirds of the uninsured say they still don't know how it will affect them, according to the latest Kaiser Family Foundation poll. What is perhaps the more frightening statistic is is put out by Daniel P. Kessler. Quote, in total, it appears that there will be 30 to 40 million people damaged in some fashion by the Affordable Care Act, more than one in 10 Americans. Kessler is a professor of business and law at Stanford University and was quoted in in the Wall Street Journal. Add to this uncertainty many small business leaders have about the law and what it means to them, and there's the real chance of chaos this fall when the yearly health care insurance contracts are renewed. Just about every pundit and government official admits those costs will rise. Many companies, smaller companies, are already experiencing double-digit increases. Hardest hit are expected to be companies under 50 employees. Uh, That's because many of the provisions um, locking in rates do not apply to this uh, marketplace. Inevitably, Workers will share the pain. That means higher morale issues, greater employee disgruntlement, and less working hours for many. As Senator Bacchus indicated, this is a train wreck of the making, and small business and their employees stand uh, right there on the tracks. The second issue facing small business is the higher requirements for verifying employee eligibility for employment the so-called I-9. The heightened scrutiny and regulations will add another regulatory challenge to small businesses. We will have a guest on soon to discuss this more fully. But be warned, this regulation will hurt many small employees. Small Business Digest Radio uh, comes to you every week. I'm Don Mazella. I point out that... uh, Uh, Our magazine, Small Business Digest, is available at smallbusinessdigestmag.com, as well as uh, our newsletter at the number 2sbdigest.com. Until next time, this is Don Mizella.